Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 52 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci. And first of all, I just want to say, wow, I can't believe I've been doing this show for an entire year. It's been an incredibly rewarding experience, and thank you so much for tuning in. I genuinely hope that you've been able to get some value out of these episodes and improve your agency in the process. Today, for this one-year anniversary show, I'm talking with none other than Marcus Sheridan of The Sales Lion. Today, Marcus is one of the biggest names in the inbound and content marketing world, but in 2008, he was the owner of a swimming pool company that was on the brink of bankruptcy. He stumbled upon inbound marketing and went all in with it, and in the process, he turned his company's website into the most trafficked swimming pool site in the world, with over 500,000 visitors a month, saving the business. Since then, he has been evangelizing the power of inbound and content marketing, and now he helps other agencies duplicate his own success. This interview was a blast, and Marcus dropped a ton of knowledge into it from why your website needs to list prices, why sales training is crucial for every agency, and even how VR is shaping up to be a game changer. But the real focus for today's talk is on the importance of getting client buy-in. If you struggle to get clients to devote enough time to your projects, or you get blamed when things don't go as expected, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Marcus. Marcus, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Man, I tell you, it's a pleasure to be here. Hopefully, I'll say something of value (laughs) to the audience. So we'll see how it goes. But no, very, very excited to be here, man. No, and I really want to make sure we take advantage of this opportunity. And I'm going to try to cram as much value in this interview as we can. So let's just jump right into it. First, what is client buy-in and why is getting it so important to building a successful agency? When I think about what's happening in this whole digital space, I look at six years that I've been playing this game, six years I've been writing about producing content about digital content, inbound, etc. And the number one email that I've gotten isn't, hey, Marcus, my business is struggling. What can I do to get more traffic, leads, and sales? The number one email I've gotten by far is from frustrated marketers who say, I know this stuff would work. I know that... We need to embrace digital, embrace the philosophies that you espouse, but I'm, I'm all alone. My team doesn't get it. My management team doesn't give me the resources and the people I need in order to pull this off. I'm just so frustrated, and, and, I, and if I can't fix this, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave. So these, these are the types of emails that I get, and that's, that's the number one. That's number one. So there's a ton, thousands of extremely frustrated marketers. And the reason, of course, is because they don't have buy-in from the team. The number one reason why agencies generally fail with clients, what I've found, is because they failed to lay a foundation of buy-in from top to bottom when the engagement started. And this is what separates huge success from failure. It's what separates inbound cultures from inbound programs. And most people have a program, not a culture. And it simply isn't talked about enough. I love when you touched on the difference between 
culture versus program because so many people, whether it's inbound, whether it's content marketing, whether it's any of these buzzwords, so many people, because it's a buzzword, they're like, all right, we got to do this. And so they, they put out an RFP. They're like, all right, we need someone to come in, build us this, in, this great inbound marketing plan. But when it's just tacked on top of everything else they do, it doesn't create that bind. It doesn't have that culture. So how do you get started when clients are coming to you saying, we want help with this? How do you then dig deeper and get them to start having some of that deeper buy-in? So when somebody approaches us, and I think every agency has their own way of doing this, but I immediately want to get to the core of this issue of buy-in. It's the first thing that I want to address. And so it's usually one of the first questions I'm going to ask. And so let's say that somebody from a marketing department calls me and they say, how much would it be for consulting help uh, from your agency? My first question is, so how does everybody else in the organization feel about your company's need for help? And how do they feel about, we'll just call it in this case, inbound marketing. How do they feel about inbound marketing? Does leadership believe in this as much as you do? So that's that's always my first set of questions. Because nothing else we talk about matters if leadership isn't already very much bought in. In fact, I don't think we should even be doing sales calls unless leadership is on the conversation, like if they're a part of the conversation. Now granted, once you start getting in, in you know, higher level uh, companies, bigger brands and whatnot, you're not, you're not going to talk to the CEO. But if you're talking to a, a sub, you know, $150, $200 million company, I want to talk to the president of the company. Because I realize that if I don't win him or her, if they don't, if this person, the CEO, doesn't have the vision, some things are going to happen where everything's going to get screwed up. And I want to make sure that we've already had a conversation that laid the foundation because as you know, and as I know, the best way to resolve concerns in life is to resolve them before they become concerns in the first place. And so, so an example of this, many agencies produce content for their, for their customers, for their clients. And so in the process of doing this, there's varying degrees of participation from the client in order to get the information from the subject matter expert because agencies aren't subject matter experts. They're agencies, right? They're, they're, they're teachers, they're content producers, they're writers, they're messengers, but they're not subject matter experts in the field of their clients 99% of the time. And so if a client doesn't make themselves incredibly available early on, then you have all of these obstacles that you keep on hitting. And the reason why people don't make themselves available is because they're convinced that they don't have the time to help you. But it's never about time. So when somebody says in an organization, yeah, currently we just don't have the time for, it doesn't matter what that thing is, but if they start a sentence with that, and of course it happens all the time with inbound, what they're really trying to say is, that thing that you just explained, I don't value it like you do. But they're just not willing to say it. And so instead they make, we we make excuses like time. You never heard anybody say, I don't have time for payroll this Friday. (laughs) Right. They they clearly have time. It's just being spent on other things that they, they're they're valuing it more, they're valuing those things higher. They don't get it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
They don't, and I and I tell people like, see the the language that I use with a client on the front end shocks some agencies when like sometimes they'll say, "Hey Marcus, can I can I do a call with you to hear how you talk with a prospect?" Yeah, sure. And it and it shocks them. Let, let me give you just a couple um, of examples of how how it would shock them because. After we take the time to explain to the potential client their responsibility and our responsibilities, I tell them, now there's one major part of this agreement. If you as the client do not feel like we are delivering you value, and if you're dissatisfied with us, during the retainer period, you can fire us at any time, no questions asked. But if we do not feel like you are doing your part, as the client, if you're making it difficult on us to get the information we need to help you to be world class, then we can also fire you as the client. So you're making it clear it goes both ways. There's expectations on each party. Yeah. And and I don't just say, a lot of companies say, look, this is a two-way street. Now, that's not enough. You can fire me. I can fire you. Deal? See, that means that has so much more depth to it. Gravitas. Then, if you just say this is a two-way street, that's not sufficient. And most people they mince words when they are communicating to somebody that they're trying to sell something to. They they fluff it up, and because they fluff it up, they run into all these problems once the engagement starts. Right, they're almost supplicating themselves to the client. They're Correct. putting the client on a pedestal and saying, "Whatever you want, almost we'll we'll do it. We'll do it. We we need this." When agency owners hear you go through this, when they hear you say these things, how do they typically react? Well, they're thrown aback by the boldness. And my response to them is, I see you haven't experienced a lot of pain with clients yet, have you? Because the moment you start to experience major pain with a, a client, and the reasons why there's there's usually two major, I guess there's I, I, maybe three major reasons why we have pain with clients. The first major reason is that they're not getting the results. But that one's that one I put it in quotes because there's usually a reason why they're not getting results. The second major reason is because the client isn't doing their part in the engagement process to make inbound work. That's usually the biggest reason. That I mean that almost always is the biggest reason why they are not getting results. There's been very successful clients we have had and unsuccessful clients. But almost every unsuccessful client relationship ends like this. And I'm not kidding when I say this, Andy. They say, Marcus, you told me early on that if we didn't do our part, then this would not work. And we are failing to do our part and we're just not ready for this. And it it doesn't make me necessarily feel good to hear that. But at least I know that they're not sitting there saying, Marcus failed us, inbound doesn't work, HubSpot doesn't work, or whatever, whatever people say. Uh, because, you know, you hear it all, you hear the stuff all the time. And more often than not, once you start asking them questions, for those that say, that thing doesn't work, you ask three or four questions and you realize, oh, they didn't work the thing. I mean, that's what happened. They didn't work the thing. You know, they they bought the treadmill 
They bought the treadmill, they didn't get on it, they didn't lose weight, and they wonder, why the heck am I still 25 pounds overweight? And when they can blame the thing, when they can, I mean, most clients are going to want to blame the thing. They're going to want to blame some abstract concept of why they didn't get results. They're not going to want to blame themselves. But if you can set those expectations in the beginning, then you're able to, those relationships can end where you're not at fault and they understand you're not at fault and you're not getting bad word of mouth. You're not getting kind of any blowback from that. Exactly. It's not, yeah, you're not just being bold for bold sake. You're doing it really to plant the seed early on and setting these expectations more than just saying, well, it's a two-way street. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's right. And they feel like, you know, they feel like they've got skin in the game. And that's such a big deal to any healthy relationship. You know, if you have, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, spousal, whatever, if if both don't feel like they are putting into the relationship, the other one eventually will just leave. They'll, they'll just leave because the ones that's not putting in, they won't appreciate what the other one's doing. The one that is underappreciated will say, I'm carrying the load here and this just isn't working and I can't possibly, you know, I can't possibly carry the entire load. It's a relationship. Having a client is a major relationship. Laying out early, early on what the responsibilities for both parties are that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And, and, and I meant to say the third biggest reason why, why agencies get frustrated is because they have scope problems, right? And, you know, what happens is if you don't set the tone the right way early on, the client feels like they can just ask you for anything and that you'll do it. And the ones that have not set that tone of this is an equal partnership, well, then, well, then they get asked to do something that's out of scope and they feel like, well, you know, I want to just keep the client happy. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say yes this time. And then, you know, you give the person an inch, they take a mile. And so in this case, it's, just, it's not a question of, you know, give world-class service. Of course you want to give great service. Of course you want to over-deliver. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to scope, you can't dork around with it because it blows up in your face every single time. And uh, in, in anybody, I can talk about this passionately because I allowed it to blow up in my face many times before I got, you know, much more real about things. Right. And that's what you said before is that when people are hesitant to do this, it's often because you assume they haven't gone through the pain as much because once you have, you want to do everything you can to avoid going through that again. And so <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm that's, curious. That's though, right. When you're talking to a buyer, when you're talking to a potential client, and their leadership team isn't fully on board, are you ending the conversation there or are you saying, let me talk to the leadership team? Yeah. How do you usually go from there? Yeah, so, so you know, I make it clear, let's say I'm talking to somebody in the marketing department. I'll tell them, I'll say something like, look, I have for the last six years talked to hundreds of people just like you that are smart and visionary and they get it. And a huge amount of these people have never reached their potential within their organization from a marketing standpoint because the leadership team wasn't bought in. And it used to be that I didn't focus so much on talking to the leadership early on. But what I found is if I was just talking to the marketing department and not the leadership team, I wasn't getting the full story and I wasn't able to make sure that the leadership team understood 
their responsibilities and how accountable they were to the success of this. And so if we're going to continue this conversation, we're going to need to continue it with everyone involved because that's the only way that we're all going to be sure that we share the same vision and everyone, as Simon Sinek would say, gets the what, the how, and the why, right? And so that's where it starts. And then we do not do an engagement, a retainer engagement, without starting with a workshop with the entire team. It's just a religion for us. So a workshop addresses the what, how, and why of inbound. It addresses the individual and collective responsibilities of the team, which is very, very important. It gives, it gives them the vision of these individual roles, what will happen if they perform said roles, and what's going to be the big picture result on the company. But keep in mind, this workshop is a sales workshop that happens to talk about inbound. It is for the sales and the leadership team. It's not for the marketing team. And so, let me give you an example. If I'm talking to somebody, we set up the workshop and they say, well, my sales manager can't be there that day. I'll just stop in their tracks and say, well, we're going to have to reschedule. Or if they say 50% of my leadership team can't be there because, I'll say, looks like we're going to have to reschedule. Because I have been burned too many times. Look, if you win 11 people on the board, but the 12th one isn't there, you're probably going to lose. And that's that sucks. But that's reality. And so, if if everybody is there and focused in on you and the message, this is that one shot where we can lay the immediate foundation. And the great thing about this is, this is also when you do a workshop the right way. Assuming you're good at it, you immediately get the respect of the entire sales team. Who that that you got to win them early because they're usually the subject matter experts that you're going to be going to for content. What about it gets them earns their respect? Is it just the fact that you you prove to them that you know what you're doing or what is it that earns their respect? Well, okay, so so really that question is a deep dive into the psychology <laughs> of how to communicate in a way that you win over an audience, especially an audience that does not want to agree with you. And that's why, you know, I've been teaching workshops for a while. And, you know, at the sales line as an agency, we're really a modified agency because we 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 don't do a lot of things. And we don't do a lot of things well. Like, there's a lot of agencies that do a lot of things pretty well. We only do a few things, but the few things we do, we do them really, really well. Um, for example, we do content strategy really well. And we do... Um, teaching people how to use the tools really well, right? We train them how to use it and we get buy-in really well. And arguably the thing that we do better than anybody, I think, is that getting buy-in across organizations to do digital inbound content, etc. And this took me about five or six years to really master this, the art of the workshop. And two years ago, I started teaching it to agencies and I was teaching it to them because so many were running into these difficulties with clients of getting the buy-in, getting the participation, and they were frustrated because they couldn't meet their deadlines, not because of anything they were doing wrong, but the client just kept not coming through on their 
into the bargain. And so here's the biggest key to teaching a workshop, and this is where most people fall short, is the art comes in that you must allow your audience to to discover the thing that you're trying to tell them without you first actually telling them. So what I mean by that? Well, based on your ability to ask world-class, direction-oriented questions, you can take somebody that says, all this whole internet thing sounds stupid to me, to the point where, you know, a couple hours later, they're saying, why the heck are we not doing this? And that i'm not going to i'm not going to sit here and in men's words that's not easy to do um but but it is a skill absolutely 100% that can be learned because force feeding the the concepts of inbound doesn't work now there are certain things that should be force fed to 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 make it a culture just like you know i've never seen a crm work well in an organization if they didn't tie it to compensation. <laughs> I just, you know, if the sales team doesn't know that their paycheck is affected by whether or not they enter the data in the CRM, they're not going to enter the data. And I'd love to say that in this utopic society that everybody wants to enter data. No, unless you've got nerdy engineers as your sales team, and I mean that um, complimentary, you, you, you don't have data. You don't have data in your CRM. So it's the same thing here. So at first you got to get everybody agreeing that this is something we have to do. But once you get them to agree to it, because you help them discover it for themselves, then with the sales team you make it required. You make it required. It's not optional. Our most successful clients have it required that the sales team spends time producing content with the marketing department or the agency every single month. It's a set amount of time. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's just like it, it it's a written thing. Like it goes down in their job description. And we require that because otherwise it just doesn't work out nearly as well. So I stop messing around, right? I just go to the extreme. If we don't need them that hour that month, we don't, we don't call on them, but it's required of them to give it without without complaint. Eventually they figure out quickly why it's so important and they get into it a lot, right? Because a smart agency and a smart content manager within a team, their singular goal is to make the sales team look like stars. That's the goal. If I make the sales team look like stars and look like geniuses, they fall in love with marketing and they come to marketing with a different mindset, a different mentality. And that's the idea. That's why the workshop is purely directed towards the sales team. Now, let me give you one example, a really, really simple one, Andy, that a lot of people have seen me use, but it's it's this art of asking questions to to get the desired result. And by the way, this is not manipulation. It's completely different. Manipulation is when you get somebody to say something that they really don't feel is true. All right, that's manipulation or do something that they really don't want to do. Whereas what the, 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 this is, this is thoughtful persuasion. Okay. And so, um, one of the things that we believe in as an agency that I teach all the time is that all of our clients, they address cost and price on their website very openly and they do it 
Well, always prolifically, right? 90% of businesses, even though I've been talking about this for six years, 90% of businesses don't talk about cost and price on their website. They just don't talk about it. And so I have to go into a company and I have to convince them that they need to talk about cost and price. That's what I have to do. So how do I do that? Well, it's a set of questions. And so what I'm going to do for you really quick is I'm going to play the speaker in the audience. Okay. I'm going to play speaker in audience. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it really fast and just try to, as you're listening to this right now in the audience, just try to, try to, you know, pretend that there is an audience and it would go a little bit slower than this, but I'm going to do it fast just for the sake of understanding the process. So it sounds something like this. I would, I would be in front of everybody and I would say, so by show of hands, how many of you have researched how much something cost online over the past year or two? Everybody in the room is going to raise their hand. And I say, okay, great. So when you're on a website and you can't find anything about cost and price, what is the emotion you experience? I know at least four or five or a hundred people in the room, depending on the number of people, are going to say frustrated. Frustrated. Great. Frustrated. That, my friends, is the F word of the internet. So in this moment of frustration, what gives you the right to feel that way? And then I'm going to have another set of answers. Somebody's going to say, well, it's my time. Somebody else might say, well, I'm the buyer. And I'm going to agree with all of them. And then I'm going to say as a speaker, so in this moment of frustration, do you just keep digging on that website saying, oh, I'm sure I'll find this information in here somewhere. And people in the audience, they'll giggle and say, no, 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 I don't do that. And I'll say, well, how long do you stay? And they might say, seven seconds, if that. And I say, okay. So in this moment of frustration as the buyer... Do you say to yourself, oh, that's okay. They're not talking about cost and price. They're a value-based business. I will call them instead. And everybody shakes their hand. And then I'll say, that's right. You stopped calling companies about five years ago. And then I say, so instead of calling them, instead of continuing to dig on their website, what do you keep doing? And then the audience says, I keep searching. And then I say, and you search until what happens? And they say, I search until I find the answer. And then I say, and whoever gives you the answer, generally speaking, they're going to get what? And the audience says, they're going to get my business. And I say, that's right. And if not your business, at least they're going to get the first phone call, the first contact. And I say, we all agree on this. This is how we all behave, correct? And everybody nods their head. And I say, Great. I'm glad we agree. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you on your website talk a lot about cost and price? Now, that's the first half of what is considered a segment, right? A segment is a period, it's a it's a bit, it's a it's a lesson within a workshop, right? And so that bit on cost and price usually takes somewhere between 15 to 17 minutes to teach it. So it takes me 17 minutes to get to the point where I ask a question, how many of you have researched online, how much something costs, to the point where everybody says, because my final question of the bit, and this, again, you only heard the first half, my final question is, so based on what we just said, is it possible that we talk a lot about cost and price on the website? And 100% of the room is going to say, absolutely, of course. Because it's funny, is you put it in a way where it does exactly what you talked about. It lets people come to their own conclusion, but not even just that. They're going to come to it with pretty strong emotions because you conjured up all of those things that really do frustrate them. So it's not, they're, it's not like they're saying, 
Okay, that makes sense. They're almost pissed off at that point at they themselves are. for not doing it. They're very that. pissed. And what will happen, too, is when I ask the first question, so by a show of hands, how many of you talk about cost and price? Um, after I've finished the first half, what happens is you see anger in many people's faces. And the reason why you see anger Excuse me. Well, the reason why you see anger is because this is they're having us like an inner civil war because they know what they just said. They know how they feel as the buyer, and then they just said, "But we don't do it that way." And you see, there's a reason why I said things like, "So do you just keep on digging?" And they say, "No, no, I leave." How long does it take you to leave? Seven seconds. And then I say, so do you call them instead? Because somebody later on, if I don't say that, somebody might say, well, in my industry, they call us. So you have to eliminate the concern or in this case, the exit strategy. You have to close all exit doors because they can't argue with what they said. They can argue with what I said, but they can't argue with what they said. And so my job as in this case, the presenter, the teacher, is to show the room a mirror and show them who they are and what they've become. And if I can do that successfully, they can't argue with what they see because the mirror never lies. Exactly. They're not arguing against some facts from this random figurehead. They're arguing against what they themselves just said, or at least to themselves said. Correct. Or if I go into the room and I say you know what, we have found that you really need to be talking about cost and price on your website. Why the heck are you guys not doing this? That conversation is not going to go well. No. Nope. Yeah, I mean, you can go over the benefits, you can go over this and that, and maybe on some level they'll say, All right, that makes sense, but that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to us. Correct. Correct. For like the Alan Weiss style of true value-based stuff, like are, is that just an entirely different breed? Do you think that's dying? How, what are your thoughts on just straight value pricing? Don't give up front pricing. Is that just something you think doesn't work for inbound agencies or just doesn't work in general? Value, value pricing works as well as it ever has. Mm-hmm. But the key is once you talk about cost and price on your website, now you get the chance to have the value conversation on the front end before you've lost them and never realized they were even there. Because so many of us, we, it's, you know, the big joke is, do you, do you realize how many companies I've talked to that brag to me about their closing rates yet they're going out of business? And the reason why they're going out of business is because closing rates don't mean jack in 2016 and beyond. Because by the time they get to you, most of the time, They've already, like, we've heard all the stories, 70% of the buying decisions made before they call you, contact you, set foot in your office door, before they talk to your salesperson, 70% of the buying decisions made, okay? So, by the way, that's the first, that's the first thing we talk to companies about, because that stat there, I need salespeople to say that they have to admit that they have dramatically less influence than they ever did on the actual purchase. They have to agree to that. If they don't agree to that, if they still think they carry 90% of the sales process on their shoulders, then we're all screwed. And they won't participate with marketing. So there's a little bit of fear we need to shoot into them that helps them say, my gosh, if I don't dramatically alter the way that I sell, we could become the next Kmart of our space. And um, that's healthy. 
I mean, that's healthy. That's why workshops are good because you can you can have those conversations. You can work them all out. But the idea of value-based selling is as real and as alive as it's ever been. And when you talk about cost and price on your website, this is where there's three elements to talking about cost and price on your website. What drives it up? What drives it down? And what is the marketplace? Right? And the marketplace is why are some so cheap, some so some so expensive? Explain why that is. And I tell companies, you don't even have to you don't have to be specific to you. I'm not asking anybody to put a price list. But if you think you can ignore the question and still win me over as the buyer, you're on crack. It doesn't win. It doesn't win it d- that doesn't work that way. So we've got to be willing to address the marketplace. I'd mentioned Eric Baum from Blue Leads. They have like a very detailed pricing thing. And then I went over to your website for the sales line. I'm looking at like, how much does a content marketing workshop cost? And you lean clearly more towards the true value pricing where, but you don't ignore the question. You say our workshops range from 7.5 to 25K in most cases. So you give yourself a few outs. You give yourself some leeway to still do value pricing, to still do uh, adjust the pricing based on different factors. But you're at least answering the question that is being asked of you. And that honestly just goes back to the principles of inbound marketing is think about who, what your customers, what your clients, what questions they're trying to answer and then answer them. And most of the time when people are shopping for an agency, price is a huge question and almost no one is answering it. Well, that's exactly right. And it's still, like I said, it's still above 90%, not including e-commerce organizations. And even on e-commerce, just because you put a price of a product on a page doesn't mean you've addressed cost and price on your website. Two very, very different things. Because again, you haven't explained the marketplace. It's amazing to me how many companies come to me and say, Marcus, like say manufacturers, we're getting killed by the Chinese. Really? Are they making it better than you? Well, no, there sucks. Okay, so how well have you explained how their sucks compared to your product or service. Well, we haven't really brought it up or broached it on the website because we're afraid that if we admit it or talk about it, we just might introduce them to the competition. This is the dumbest mentality that any person could have at this point because it's 2016 and if they want to know your competitors are, that's right, it's going to take them about three seconds with a voice command. They won't even hit a key at this point. And so the idea... See, consumer ignorance is no longer a viable sales and marketing strategy. It's dead. 100% dead. If we're counting on the idea that they don't know about that thing, that option, that technology, that special, that other company, that that is a competitive advantage, we're in big, big trouble. And so the smart companies, they put it all out on a table and they say, okay, here's the cards. Here's all the cards. Now let's play. At this point, ignoring that is just ignoring reality. If you don't do that, they're going to go to someone who does. And you can try to fight it, but this is the world we live in today. Information is at, like you said, not even the top of your fingertips. It's at literally your voice. You can just ask it and Siri will respond. Correct. And you can keep fighting as much as you want, but that's just not a long-term plan for success. Yep. Yep. I'm going to stop Marcus right there for a quick word from a sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or whatever else your team decided to use that week and start getting the insights you need that can only come from having accurate data all in one place. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without the crazy fees – 
where they really find the value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with their project management tool to see how much time it really takes to deliver each part of a project. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I've been absolutely blown away by how many times an agency owner has come up to me and said, Andy, we started using Hubstaff a month ago, and after looking over the data, we realized we've actually been losing money on one of our most popular services. If you don't know what your real profit was in your last project, then you'd need to try Hubstaff out. To say thanks for tuning into the show, Hubstaff is offering all of our listeners a 30% discount on all of our plans. All you need to do is head over to try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code ADVANTAGE. That's try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and coupon code ADVANTAGE. All right, let's get back to Marcus. So you're Marcus Sheridan. You have the leverage, you have the ability to turn away leads who might not be a great fit. But I'm an agency owner. I've got, I'm still, we go through the feast or famine cycle. How do I, how do I transition to this? Because like, I can't just turn away work. So if someone has that mindset when they come to you, how do you approach them? Like, how do you approach that problem? Yeah, I appreciate cash flow problems um, because we've all been there. And um, it's hard to turn away money. It really, really is. It's hard to turn away money. And so this actually works in your favor if you really, really need the job. Because when you make it a dual accountable system, you become more, not less attractive to the prospect. So in other words, your ability to sell increases. And your ability to hold on to the retainer after the fact increases because you become a partner in their business. See, we let go of vendors. We hold on to partners. That's how it works. And so if you're just a vendor, that means you deliver something that somebody else could deliver to them as well, maybe cheaper. But if you become a partner to their business, well, then you become potentially indispensable. That's a beautiful thing. You don't become indispensable without the willingness to inject your opinions. In order to inject your opinions, they got to respect you. And the respect starts really, really early on. It starts in the way that you talk with them as a peer, as a partner, as a, I'm vetting you, you're vetting me, let's see if there's a fit here. That's how it starts. It starts early, and then the workshop is meant to win everybody over, including the rest of the leadership team. And then you just, you're off to the races with the retainer. The other cool thing about the workshop is this, I didn't mention it earlier, is many of us struggle early on when we're getting an inbound campaign set up to get initial victories. And so what happens is after the first 30 days or the, or the second 30 days, so you're 60 days in, all of a sudden the client looks at you and says, so like, what have we done? And and this is the period where you're just so busy trying to get everything set up that you might not have a ton of content produced yet. You might not have, you know, ebooks done. You might not have this or that done yet, right? These things aren't done yet. And so maybe they are. But for many, they're not done yet. You have had no victories. That's why a lot of um, companies enjoy web design, at least the part of delivering it, because it's a big victory that wins the client over for a period of time. Right, And so the cool thing about a workshop is you can have a massive victory on the first day of the retainer. And that's huge because I've been talking to so many agency owners, even of successful agency owners, and, and they, a lot of the time they'll say that 
that onboarding period, those first getting to that first win is a tenuous relationship because you don't have anything. They're paying you, but you don't have anything to show them. But so having something where day one kick off on this workshop, you're getting them excited to work with you. And you're also laying out the expectations. So, so there's, no, sorry, and there's no. another major part to this, right? Because you just did the workshop and you just won over the sales team. Now you've opened up the door to your second win. Generally, and let's assume for a second you're not even doing a, a website redesign. You're just like your wins are based on more traffic leads and sales, right? Which is like, oh, this is tough. This is tough. Well, then, because we all know that that can take some time. And even though they say, okay, I know I'm in this for the long haul. And even though you say this could take three, six, 12, whatever months you say to really start getting some tangible ROI results on the you know account spreadsheet, they don't always like remember that or want to hear that when they're six months in and they haven't been able to tie revenue back to the agency. And so the second major victory you can have is again a sales victory. And this is how it works. The content that you produce early with the client should be very, very sales specific content. No fluff. And the sales specific content is important because yes, that's what's going to generate the most traffic leads and sales, but also this is the content that the sales team can integrate right away into their sales process to improve closing rates and decrease the sales cycle, right? And so if we do this the right way, as soon as the content starts to get produced, we're teaching the sales team how to use it. We're showing them how to use it, right? And so as we show them how to integrate it into their sales process, remember, we've already run the respect, so they're listening to us now. So now that they're doing this, and they're instead of just saying, hey, let's have that first phone call with the prospect next week, but instead they're integrating content into that mix so that when they have first phone call, prospect is well advanced way further down the funnel than they would have been otherwise. And just now, to clarify, when, when you say integrate the content like that, would you, that be something like saying, having a salesperson say, all right, before we get on this call, let me send you over this article or this ebook or something. Check this out before we get on the call. Is it something like that? Or yep. how does that usually look? Yeah, so let's say, let's say that... So let me give you an example with our clients. The first set of... Um, the first set of content they produce always has to do with cost, right? Because that's the first question, main question everybody asks in a sales situation, B2B, B2C. It's the same question. So I'm not going to hold you to it, but give me a feel. How much is something like this going to cost, right? That's one of the first questions they ask a salesperson. And so what we do is we always, always address all the cost questions as our first set of content. And then we take all those questions and we turn that into our first premium piece of content, ebook, guide, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you call it, white paper, whatever. And so the reason why this is so valuable and it's our first set of videos, it's cost-based videos, right? And so now let's say lead comes into the system, right? And your initial reaction, if you don't make a call that second, and a call that second's fine. I'm not going to say that's wrong. It's totally cool. It's totally great. It's a good thing. But let's say that you don't call them that second. Let's say you're going to send out the email that second. The email might sound something like this. Hey, Mr. Jones, you just contacted us. I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, you've got a few questions right now, I know. And I know one of the biggest questions you have right now has to do with costs. I appreciate that. You are not alone. Uh, In this email, I've attached this particular video, this particular article that's going to break down 
all the factors that are going to dictate the costs of this project that you're getting ready to have. I want you to get a sense for this now before we have our first conversation because it's going to allow our time together to be that much more productive. Now, I'm going to give you a call tomorrow about, you know, you know, 1700 hours and you know and and I look forward to chatting or you know then you send them your Calendly link and they say you know let me know when we can have our first call but at least you have now separated yourself from the pack already and at least if they do the assignment and many of them will do the assignment that first phone call that first conversation is different and that's an immediate win that you can have with the sales team. So that that is a win that can happen usually within 15 to 30 days in. So workshop is day one, okay? And so now you start producing content immediately. And your first cost piece of content hopefully is going to happen within the first couple of weeks. Otherwise, you're really stinking slow. And so if that's happening, that immediately goes into the sales pipeline of of you know, sales resources that we use. And so the victories are stacking up. They're stacking up. We've got a piece of content out there. It's a cost one. We're using it in the sales process. It's affecting our first phone calls. And so that's how we get the wins early on. When you you touched on a little bit, but it's like even if they don't do the assignment, they still you've already separated yourselves just by giving that information. They know, all right, these guys are different. These guys get me. They understand why I'm not talking to anyone else. And even if they're too busy to get to it, you're already standing out in their mind. But if they do get to it, you're that much farther down along in the sales cycle. Well, this is the the conversation we're having, Andy, lends itself to this topic of if your agency isn't doing sales training, well, then you're probably going to get screwed at some point. Because I don't think you can be viable at this point without sales training as an agency. I I really don't. Not long term. You don't become indispensable. And you see, you know, the thing about this is, this is a huge value add for us as agencies. Because Sandler Sales, they're not doing digital sales training. They don't know jack about it. That's why Sandler has a pretty crappy website and a crappy content marketing effort. They don't get it yet. Now, they know Sandler sales methodology. They've been doing it for years. And a lot of people that are listening to this, their clients are following the Sandler sales methodology. It has nothing to do with digital for the most part. I mean, it's it's not... There's principles that align, yes. But it's not a digital sales strategy. So you get to come in there and you get to be the digital Sandler sales teacher. And you now are winning on both fronts. You're winning on the marketing side. You're winning on the sales side. And you're focused on the part of the business that makes it rain. And that's why everything is a sales conversation. You know, I I look at a tool like HubSpot. Biggest mistake they ever made. HubSpot, Marketo, Eloqua, all of them. Is they call themselves marketing automation. That was dumb. Because the fact of the matter is, if you want to get an idea approved in an organization, you call it sales. If you want to get it turned down, you call it marketing. And so you create this movement and you call it marketing automation when really what it is, it's advanced sales and marketing tools. That's what it is. It's advanced sales and marketing tools. And so we have nothing but sales conversations. So HubSpot is a tool to measure the ROI of all of our digital sales and marketing efforts, first and foremost. That's what it is, right? That's how we explain it to clients, right? HubSpot is the key for your sales team having advanced lead intelligence to make better calls to their clients, right? Inbound is a sales methodology. 
that's that's how it's always described. When you teach a workshop, it's to the sales department. And the whole time, the marketing team's just sitting back smiling. Do you see the sales line, do you want to become the Sandler training of the digital space? Well, we've been doing a lot more of that. And um, it's... It's. Uh, I've never thought about it like that, so it's a great question, Andy. I'll probably th- I'll probably chew on that one the rest of today. Um, I I do see us as business partners that are training. We're spending more time training people how to do digital sales and how to do video than we are how to do content at this point, like textual content. And um, that makes me happy because I feel like we're having the right conversations. We're having the right conversations. And, um, and so as a, as an agency, we're evolving in that we're training them how to communicate at the highest level on the marketing front, the sales front, the video front, whatever that thing is. And, um, and I do enjoy it. I enjoy it quite a bit, quite a bit, but it's always evolving. It's always evolving, man. Like every agency should be, and that's good. That's okay. Are there any initiatives, anything you're trying to work on to get out there and change or at least promote more with the sales line in the next six months? Well, my big thing that I have coming out is They Ask You Answer the Book is coming out in January. And um, uh, Wiley is publishing it, and it's going to be a great book. There's a section on inbound for sales. There's a section on inbound for marketing. And um, so it's, it addresses both sides of the coin. Most books about content marketing address it from a marketing standpoint. So, you know, this book is about content marketing inbound sales. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And so I'm pretty excited about it. And of course, you know me, I've been spousing the Ask You Answer for a long, long time. I'm also excited about the fact that I have been training so many agencies and individuals on how to be world-class communicators in all of its forms. And, you know, I've taught a ton of agencies, a ton of agencies at this point, how to deliver workshops more effectively, very rewarding. And it impacts how they have um, team meetings as well, like all the principles that we teach. So that's been a a big reward and it's been very successful. And the rest, you know, I'm just allowing it to continue to evolve, man. That's where Mm -hmm. it's headed. Nice. I'll make sure to get the book linked up in the show notes. And before we do wrap up, there's two quick questions I'd like to ask everyone. The first one is just, what do you think you spend too much time on right now? Email. (laughs) <laughs> that's a very common one if you got all that time back or more where do you think where are the biggest leverage points like where do you think you should be spending more time there's no question I I need to and want to spend more time learning about practicing applying experimenting with virtual reality interesting interesting what, not even uh, close as an agency we're going to be offering VR services I know within the next two years because that's the thing is like I hear all about this VR and like everyone who has experience with it is saying like this time it's real like this time it's like things are changing that way VR AR just all of that and so just at a high level like what do you see how do you see that impact in the agency is that stuff you get people are going to need to offer their clients or is it going to help with what angle yeah, you see this is going to be the greatest differentiator for agencies in the next five years is their ability to address the VR issue. Okay. And so let's just pretend my, so we have a a mantra currently at Riverpool's a vision statement for our VR. It's very simple, but look at it like if I was, if I was pitching Riverpool's as an agency, 
and I went in and I gave him, this is our mantra statement for you. So the mantra statement is this, we want people to swim in our pools before they swim in our pools. All right. Now that is the vision. So we want them to experience swimming in our pools before they actually swim in our pools. The only way you can do that is through VR technology. And um, within the next year, preferably six months, I want our sales team taking at River Pools, taking on their in-home sales appointments, the goggles with them, which call them the goggles, the headsets with them, to to put on the child's, you know, so the child can wear and say, mommy, this is amazing. I'm underwater right now and I'm walking around the pool. That's exciting. That's going to change the game for River Pools and it's going to change the game for all agencies because if you went in as an agency and pitched that, people would be like, where can I sign? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here with like a blank look on my face because that's ridiculous. And is anyone doing that now? <laughs> Heck no, dude. I didn't think so. Not even close. We're still trying to you know, hire content writers. <laughs> you know, to you know, to produce the next blog post. I think we got to move past that um, because I don't think that's that's a strong end game. I didn't think we would go into AR VR stuff with this, but we have, and I'm very glad we did. But to wrap things up, Marcus, if people want to hear more from you, where is the best place for them to go? Best place to go is the sales lion, L-I-O-N dot com, and you can just personally email me if you're listening to this. It's Marcus at thesaleslion.com. And uh, again, the book, it's on Amazon right now. Just type in They Ask, You Answer. It'll pop right up. But uh, please hit me up with any questions. I'm always happy to help. Awesome. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to chat with me. It was a lot of fun. Every one of us has had a client who hasn't fully bought into our process, whether we're doing inbound, outbound, whatever. And unless you completely blew them away with the results, the engagement usually didn't end well. So I think Marcus is right on the money when he says that the number one reason agencies generally fail with clients is because they failed to lay a foundation of buy-in from top to bottom at the start of the engagement. Marcus takes this idea so seriously that he will not allow a client to come on retainer with him without first doing a workshop with their sales and leadership team present. The goal of these workshops is to address the what, how, and why of his methodology. It also addresses the individual and collective responsibilities of the team. It gives them the vision of these individual roles, what will happen if they perform those roles, and what's going to be the big picture result of the company. This is demanding a lot of the potential client, and I know this can be really scary, especially when your pipeline isn't exactly overflowing with prospects. But Marcus argues that building these requirements into your process actually works in your favor. The reason for this is that when you create real accountability for each party, you aren't setting yourself up as just another vendor. You're becoming a trusted partner that your client wants to work with for the long haul. That's all I have for you this week. Thanks again for putting up with me for an entire year. I truly do appreciate the support and hope that this podcast has helped improve your agency. If you've gotten value out of the show, can I just ask you one favor? Just shoot me an email at andy at hubstaff.com. And tell me what you've learned and how it has helped your business. I love hearing from listeners, so please don't be shy. That's Andy, A-N-D-Y, at Hubstaff, H-U-B-S-T-A-F-F, dot com. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya, and thanks again. Thanks again.